Welcome to Obstetrics and Gynecology Emergencies. This is a podcast developed by the Obstetrics and Gynecology Group of University College Dublin. The following podcast is the fifth of six episodes reviewing shoulder dystocia. We've chosen shoulder dystocia as the third emergency for the podcast as an acute, time-critical obstetric emergency that often occurs in a pregnancy with no risk factors and may cause significant fetal and maternal morbidity. Here we will review subsequent management of shoulder dystocia. We talked in the previous podcast about the phenomenic helper and reviewed the first four steps. Call for help, H. Evaluate for episiotomy, E. Legs and MacRoberts, L. And suprapubic pressure, P. All of these are underpinned by communication both with the mother and with doing the team. In this podcast, we'll review the last three steps of the monomic and discuss some complications of shoulder dystocia. E stands for enter manoeuvres. Three general manoeuvres are described and these can be performed in any order. You hopefully remember from the previous podcast the idea that the clinicians need to narrow the fetal bisacromial diameter. To remind you, if you consider the acromion processes of the humerus, then the bisacromial diameter is the distance from one acromion process to the other. Narrowing the bisacromial diameter by internally rotating and adducting the shoulder joint may deliver the shoulders. One way to internally rotate and adduct the fetal shoulder joint is to put pressure posterior to the shoulder joint externally using suprapubic pressure. Another way is to put put pressure posterior to the shoulder joint internally. So by the delivering clinician placing their hand into the maternal vagina and pressing posterior to the anterior shoulder joint to attempt to internally rotate and abduct that shoulder joint. By narrowing the bisacromial diameter in this way, the aim is to slip the shoulder out underneath the pubic bone and deliver the fetal shoulders and then the rest of the fetal body. That's one move. A second move is for the clinician to keep one hand posterior to the anterior shoulders and then place their second hand anterior to the posterior shoulders. The clinician can then use both hands to try and turn the baby from the sagittal to the coronal plane and helps deliver the shoulders and then the baby. There are various names for these two moves, including Reuben Woods Group, but just try to remember the principles rather than the names. A third move is to try and deliver the posterior shoulder rather than the anterior shoulder. One way to do this is to try and grasp the fetal hand or elbow and draw the hand in front of the fetal face and deliver the hand. This is sometimes called a cat's paw move, as it's like a cat licking its hands in front of its face. Sometimes the posterior hand and arm are very accessible, and this is one reason why clinicians may try this move before trying to access the anterior shoulder. R. The first R stands for rollover, and this is where the clinical team will ask and help the woman to roll onto all fours. This is obviously very difficult if the woman has had epidural anesthesia. Rotating onto all fours means that gravity may help dislodge the fetal shoulders from behind the symphysis pubis and deliver the baby. The last R stands for rescue procedures, which are really procedures of last resort. There are three commonly described last resort rescue procedures and one new rescue procedure. The last resort procedures are Zavanelli, symphysiotomy and fracture of the fetal clavicle. A Zavanelli is where the clinician gently returns the fetal head into the vagina 
and then into the uterus, and a caesarean delivery is performed. There have been case reports of successful delivery of unaffected infants after Zavanelli, but equally, there have been cases of uterine rupture as a result of the procedure. The second rescue, last ditch attempt, is the symphysiotomy. It's really no longer practiced in most of the developed world. It describes a procedure where the symphysis pubis is incompletely cut in the midline. There have been multiple reports of significant maternal morbidity as a result of this procedure. A third last minute, last ditch attempt is fracture of the fetal clavicle, but this may result in tearing of the subclavian artery and is therefore also considered a last resort procedure. Finally, there have been recent publications describing the use of a catheter as a sling underneath the shoulder joint to deliver the shoulders. In other words, that the catheter is fed around the fetal sh shoulder joint under the axilla and both ends of the catheter uses a sling to shrug the shoulder upwards and deliver it from underneath the symphysis pubis. There are only a couple of case reports of the procedure, but it does appear to be promising. Once the baby is delivered, there may be need for neonatal resuscitation, so it's crucial that the resuscitation team or clinicians capable of providing neonatal resuscitation are available. At the same time, the obstetric and midwifery teams cannot relax. There's a need to assess for maternal complications, including postpartum hemorrhage and vaginal and perineal lacerations. There have been case reports of uterine rupture, but these are very rare. It's crucially important to document and to debrief, and we'll discuss why in the next podcast. This concludes a very basic review of subsequent management of shoulder dystocia. Thanks for listening.